Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How dense can he be? That's the first question that comes to my mind when I see this exchange between Jesus and Nicodemus. How dense can Nicodemus be? He comes to the Lord by night. Apparently, he has some questions for him. We gather that Nicodemus is he's a ruler of the Jews. He was maybe somebody in the upper echelon of Jewish society. And so he comes by night. He doesn't want people to see that he's coming to this wonder-working rabbi that everybody's talking about. And then he even butters Jesus up a little bit, right? Oh, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent from God because nobody could do what you're doing unless God had sent him. And Jesus cuts right to the chase. You know, the Lord has no time for small talk. I don't want to talk about the weather. I don't want to talk about how great you think I am. Let's just get right to it, Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you shall never see the kingdom of God. Jesus just gets right after it. He knows what's underlying the question, the very coming of Nicodemus to him. He's wondering about salvation, the nature of the kingdom of God. What does it take for one to enter into that reign and rule of God? And Jesus says, it's nothing less than you must be born again. And then you get Nicodemus' question. Well, now, Jesus, how can somebody be born when they're old? Do I need to climb back into my mother's belly? Nicodemus, come on! Are you really that dense, that obtuse, that you can't understand what Jesus is talking about, that it's a spiritual rebirth that's going to happen here? I mean, we've got to recognize Nicodemus is no slouch, okay? He's not some bumpkin who's coming to the Lord. Jesus even says to him, how can you, the teacher of Israel, don't know exactly what that means, but it suggests that Nicodemus was in some official capacity a teacher to God's people. And yet he himself can't even understand or make sense of this, this talk of being born again. But maybe that should tip us off here. That the problem that Nicodemus is running up to is not an intellectual one. What if it's not so much that he's witless, but that he's wistful? Jesus says to him, you must be born again. And here in Nicodemus' question, something else here, when he says, how can a man be born again when he is old? And he says it again, how is this possible? Perhaps these are the words of a man who wonders, how can all of the baggage that I have brought to my life in my old age suddenly be left behind? What if Nicodemus' problem isn't a lack of understanding, but a lack of hope? And when we put it that way, maybe you and I can relate to him. When you have that feeling like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but just more tunnels at the end of the tunnels, and everywhere you turn, it's another dead end. It could just be because winter goes on for too long and by the end of the season you're like, thank God for a day like today, a foretaste of spring. Don't worry, we'll get more snow, okay? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's just struggles with work and your vocation and wondering, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what God has, has called me to do, whether it be in the workplace or, or whether it be in the home? 
those vocations. Maybe for some of you, it's this chronic pain that you deal with each and every day. You wonder, is this ever going to change? Is it ever going to go away? Or maybe it's just that deep-seated sense of, I'm still racked with these same sins, and I thought for sure when I grow up, I'm going to be rid of them, but still they are dogging me day after day after day. You have that feeling. Maybe you can, you can relate to Nicodemus here, that sense that you're just stuck it's the same old self, day after day. Makes me think of one of my all-time favorite movies, every preacher's favorite movie, Groundhog Day. I watched it again recently when it was Groundhog Day. And you remember the premise of it. Phil Connors is the, the weatherman, and he goes up to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, in order to cover Groundhog Day. And for whatever reason, he finds that he's living the same day after day after day. It's Groundhog Day. Every morning, he wakes up again, and the same bad Sonny Bono song is playing. And every day, he has to do the same silly small talk with people. He has to have the conversation with Ned Ryerson again and again and again, stuck and I think there's a reason that this movie, that that story has such universal appeal. It's because all of us have a Ned Ryerson in our life. <laughs> all of us know what it is sometimes to wake up in the morning and to feel like, man, that alarm clock is coming on way too early, especially today. And by the way, kudos to you guys. You woke up, you got here, somebody's going to walk in at the end of the service, and we will all point and laugh. No. <laughs> we will not do that. We will show them mercy. But you've had that sensation of being stuck day after day after day. And it's interesting in the movie, too, it even kind of dramatizes many of the responses, the reactions that people will have to that sense of stuckness. Some folks will try to break out of that by just indulging in their most base appetites. Maybe you remember there's a scene in the movie where Phil Connors, Bill Murray's character, is just, he's got a table full of donuts. Right? He's just going to stuff every single donut into his face. This is one way that people try to do it. Not necessarily with donuts, but maybe if I get this new truck, or maybe if I go on that new expedition, or maybe if I do this, this, this new thing, just try to indulge myself, then I will break out of that sense of, of stuckness. But for other people, they take it one step further and they resort to substance abuse. They turn to drugs, whether it be alcohol or something else, to try and ease the pain, to escape the, the boredom, to get past that sense of stuckness. Other people will go to affairs, whether it be a physical affair or just an emotional one online. Turn to so many different things to try and get out of that sense of being stuck. And everywhere you look, is another dead end. But whatever we might try to do, facing each and every one of us, there is that final dead end awaiting us of the grave. How can we escape? How is it possible that we could leave all of this baggage, all of these tunnels after tunnels, how could we leave it all behind? It's just a dead end. But notice the response of Jesus here. To Nicodemus's dead end and to ours, he promises a living beginning. A living beginning. 
Jesus says to Nicodemus once again, Nicodemus, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And he repeats himself in in a little bit different words. He says, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. Now you can hear that as Jesus just piling on top of Nicodemus and saying, Lord, he doesn't get it, okay? How are you saying this over and over again? But hear this, Jesus bestows what he says in his very speaking of that word. It is the word of God that brings forth that new birth. In the very promising of it, or speaking of it to Nicodemus, there that promise is made for him and for us. You shall be born again. That rebirth through water and the word that comes through holy baptism brings us a new life that now we have that regeneration. Christ Jesus himself is the agent of that new birth. He gives it to Nicodemus. He gives it to you and to me. And to think for just a second, just to park there and think about all of the the ramifications of that, of new birth, what that means. Think about how we can compare birth to the gift of, of salvation and eternal life. Maybe the most obvious thing is that, look, just as you don't cause yourself to be born, you don't cause yourself to be reborn. Salvation comes to you as a gift from without. Nobody makes that decision for themselves. It comes to you solely by grace. In uh, John Milton's Paradise Lost, this is where Satan goes awry. Satan is constantly touting that he is self-begotten. That's the essence of his pride and his sin. He thinks, no, I wasn't born. Nobody created me. I made myself. We had a a glimmer of that in our home uh, a year or so ago. We were talking about birthdays and and being born. And Ellie suddenly has this this moment of realization. She says, well, I was born. Born? And then it was almost defiant, like, no, I wasn't born! Not to compare my daughter to Satan, but you understand, you know, we can all have that that moment of wonderment and realization, like, wait a second, I was born? That means the fact that I exist, that you live, that you're here, is simply and solely by grace. Even that kind of temporal, this world grace of someone else's love bringing you forth into being. That's part of our our gift of eternal life as well. It doesn't happen with our choice or with our decision, but by God's grace. You think again of a, a comparison between this gift of rebirth and of birth. Is that you share your parents' genes, right? You inherit that DNA for better or for worse. But when it comes to your new birth through the Holy Spirit, it is decidedly for the better. That now you are filled with the Spirit of God. Now you have God's genes, so to speak. I'm not talking Levi Strauss. I'm talking about the fact that now your heart is being remade from the inside out as you share that love for others that the Father shares for the world as he is recreating you day by day. And that brings us to maybe the the most profound application of that analogy is that you have this living beginning, a fresh start. See, to be born, I mean, this is one of the most beautiful things about a new life, right? Is all the potential and the possibilities, the future that's ahead of a child. But to be reborn through the power of the Holy Spirit by God's grace is to know that you have a fresh start. If anyone is in Christ, boom, he is a new creation. All of that baggage that Nicodemus is carrying and all the baggage that you and I carry, 
Christ takes that and buries it. All of the skeletons in your closet. He opens up that door and he rips them out and gets rid of them once and for all. You have a fresh start because you are baptized. Your sins washed away and given instead a new birth and a new life. You are reborn and remade by the power of God. That is what he has done for you. Your sins don't dog you anymore. Your past can't haunt you. And your future is bright, whatever may lay ahead, because you belong to Christ. Can we go back to Groundhog Day one more time? See, you just think of how the movie ends, and this is where Pastor just waxes way too theological about pop culture stuff, but I can't help myself. Yeah, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, he has that moment, Phil Connors, where he wakes up and the song is still the same, but it turns out it's a different day. He says, wait a second, wait a second, something is different. And his now girlfriend, she says to him, well, different, is that okay? He says, different is good. Anything different is good. And he, he realizes, he looks out the window and he says, today is tomorrow. Today is tomorrow. He is reborn. He's filled with, with joy and gratitude because he recognizes now this is a new day, a new life. This is what's happened for you as you have been reborn. You have been remade. But there's also this, if I can go one step deeper in my nerdiness here. Maybe you saw the commercial during the Super Bowl riffing on Groundhog Day. If you didn't, I'm about to replay it for you, okay? where he wakes up, it's back to that same scene, he wakes up in the bed, it's Bill Murray 20 years later, or whatever, when the movie was first made. And he says, oh no, not again, and he goes outside, and again, it's Groundhog Day, he's back. But then he sees a Jeep. <laughs> he says, well, now that's different. The rest of the commercial is him riding around in the Jeep, it's very cool. But the tagline at the end of it, and I thought it was, this was so brilliant, okay, this, is not, this sermon is not sponsored by Jeep, although if they want to, I'm open to it. It says, no day is the same. No day is the same. And of course, I thought about that spiritually. <clears throat> In the fact that, look, you have that once and for all rebirth at holy baptism. You have been made a new creation, a new creature. That happens once at the beginning of your new spiritual life. But you know what? For a lot of us, you don't wake up each and every day like Phil Connors does in the movie, just filled with joy and gratitude. This is a new day, a new life. I am reborn. For most of us, each and every day, it's closer to that sense of sameness. And that's why I like the commercial. Because it's like, okay, he's back and living that same day again. But instead, there's a, a new engine to change things. I'm not telling you to go out and buy a Jeep. I'm telling you that you have a Savior whose mercies are new every morning. That that rebirth that you had once at the beginning of your spiritual life, it's renewed each and every day. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, inwardly we are wasting away, or outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day by day. Every night when you lay down, it's like a little death. But each day when we awake, it's a new birth. When I was a kid, I used to ask my mom, who's with us today, hi mom. 
say, well, what's today? You know, kids don't keep calendars. What's today? And sometimes she would say, I'm sure she was riffing off of some movie or TV show, she would say, today is the first day of the rest of your life. I'd say, no, seriously, what's today? No. But you know what? It's true. Every day that we get is the first day of the rest of your eternal life. Because you are reborn by the grace of God. However you are feeling stuck, however you're feeling trapped, I don't mean to say that those problems, those challenges aren't real, but know this, you have a living beginning in Christ. And with him, no day is the same. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.